Welcome, welcome. Oh man, today's episode is so good. Let me ask you a question. Do you like to be in control and plan things to a T? Of course you do. Everyone does, right? Or maybe that's just me. But I feel like a lot of my listeners are just like me, quite honestly. Like you're a planner. You like to have your hands in everything. And even if you don't like to admit it, at the end of the day, you like to be in control. You wouldn't be an entrepreneur if you didn't. These are my guesses, but I feel like I'm spot on right here. (laughs) So today my guest is going to challenge that approach because we're talking about holding your goals tightly and, are you ready for it, holding your strategy for accomplishing those goals loosely. Yep, that's right. We're going to chat about loosening your grip on how you're going to accomplish your goals and allowing them to unfold naturally. So who's my amazing guest who's going to challenge you to really get uncomfortable in the name of goals? Well, her name is Megan Hyatt Miller, and she's the chief operating officer at Michael Hyatt and Company and the creator of the bold line of the Full Focus Planner. You know how obsessed I am with the Full Focus Planner, so of course you're going to hear me talk about it today. Well, Megan Hyatt Miller is the fabulous and brilliant woman who is the creative force behind the bold line. So it's really exciting. I just can't wait for her to talk about it. So we're going to get into that as well. Now, you might have already guessed Megan Hyatt Miller is Michael Hyatt's daughter. And together, they've landed Michael Hyatt and Company in the Inc. 5000 three years in a row. No big deal, right? And you may remember that Michael's been on this podcast a few times. He was in episode 258, where we talked about achieving more by doing less. And he was also in episode 101 and 177. So I'm going to link to all of those episodes in the show notes at amyporterfield.com forward slash 298, because they're all really, really good. And they are all aligned with what we're talking about here. So Megan and I are going to dive into this concept around loosening your strategy to get to your big, bold goals. We're going to get there, and the conversation makes me nervous even thinking about it, but we'll talk about it. All right, guys, so I can't wait to dive into today's episode, and for my loyal listeners, forgive me. You already know this, but I do need to add that I tell Michael and Gail Hyatt all the time that I want to be adopted into their family. You might already know they have five daughters, and all of their daughters' names start with the letter M, like Mary. However, mine does not. So Gail said that I could be the sixth daughter, but they've got to call me Mamie. And I said, fine, because that's how much I love this family. So I'm really excited to talk to one of my sisters. Let's bring her on. Megan, I am so excited to have you here. Thanks for being here today. Amy, I'm thrilled to be with you today. As I said on my Instagram story earlier, you are one of my favorite people on the planet. So anytime I get to hang with you, I'm pretty happy. Okay, well, (laughs) here's the deal. When I was creating this episode and putting together my notes, 
honestly, and I know I've said this to you before, and I'm going to embarrass you, but I'm going to say it to everyone. I think you are one of the most brilliant women I know. I think you are so incredibly smart and strategic. And there are a million things about business that I could talk to you about today. But since we only have about 45-ish minutes, I got to get to the really good stuff. So so are you ready for this? Okay. So I told my audience a little bit about you. And of course, I told them that I'm one of the sisters. My name is Mamie (laughs) and I get to be a Hyatt. But beyond that, can you tell everybody a little bit about who you are, your family life, because it's very unique and special, and also your role inside the Michael Hyatt and Company, and then also how you play a part in the Full Focus Planner. So that's a lot, I know. <laughs> that's a lot. Okay, so yeah, I'm the mom of five kids. We have um, children ages 18 to seven months. Three of those kids are adopted. <laughs> seven <laughs> months. Isn't that crazy? Yes. So um, we just adopted our fifth child, our daughter, Naomi, this year. She's seven months old. So my husband, Joel, and I will literally be parents forever. <laughs> um, but we love it. It's it's wonderful. And and that directly impacts my work in leadership at Michael Hyden Company because it is so critical to me to prioritize my family, but also to produce amazing results in our business. So I've worked really hard to intentionally build my role as chief operating officer in such a way that I'm really only working about 35 hours a week. Um, I leave the office every day at 3.30 to be home with my kids after school. And that just means so much to me. You know, I want to do what we help our clients and customers do, which is to win at work and succeed at life. You know, I just don't want to be killing it in my business. I also want to be um, doing what matters most at home. And I'm, I feel like um, I've been able to do that. And I'm, I'm super grateful. So that's a little bit about kind of the family side. On the business side at Michael Hyde and Company, my job is really to, um, you know, run the business, to drive execution on our team to drive goal achievement among our executives and then therefore kind of trickling down through their teams. And we do that through um, a number of different ways. We have an executive coaching program. We have a leadership training event called the Focus Leader. And we also have our full focus planner, which I know you and your team love (laughs) and are using. And we love that you guys are getting great results with it. Um, That has been one of the most fun things that we've ever done as a team. It's been out for several years years. And we just released a new line called the Bold Line, which is the one that I designed um, that has kind of really fashion forward design, um, beautiful interiors and all kinds of stuff. You have to check it out at fullfocusplanner.com. But um, anyway, that is all about how to help you stay focused during your days so that you don't get off track and you're able to connect your daily actions to your annual goals, which is the place where a lot of people really struggle and they're not able to achieve the things um, that they want to is because there's just no real connection point between those two places. So that's my world. I mean, and your world is amazing because not only are you working about 35 hours a week, which is incredible. I know many ears just perked up when you said that because (laughs) You're running a lot over there. Yeah. But but at the same time, you got to get really creative recently with a full focus planner and you created the bold line, which I'm obsessed with. Right now I'm obsessed with eggplant and the beauty mm-hmm. of that. But I was using Poppy before. Like I, I kind of love them all. So if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, we will link to all of this in the show notes. But why did you bring about the bold line? Before I get into, I've got a really important topic I want to talk about next. But before I get there, this whole idea of you getting creative with the full focus planner, where did that come from? 
Yeah. Well, we had had the full focus planner out for a while and uh, we had sold hundreds of thousands of those copies and people were using it, having great results, staying focused, achieving um, big results in their personal lives and in their businesses. But every time we did a live event, which we do frequently in our business, I had people, uh, specifically women, not always, but mostly women coming up to me and just saying, hey, you know, I love this system. The full focus system has changed my life but can you make it a little prettier? (laughs) Can you make it a little wild? Something that we feel really proud to pull out of our bag and put on the table, you know, when we're having a meeting with a client or a vendor that, you know, just is is expressive of who we are and that that feels serious enough that says like, I'm a serious entrepreneur. You know, I'm I'm not, it's not like foofy, you know, it it feels like it has some kind of like weight to it, even though it's beautiful. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought that's what I want too. You know, I love this system, but I need a little more wow that expresses who I am. And so my team and I just went to work and it was in development for a long time. It's pretty complicated to pull off, but I couldn't be prouder of where we ended up. There are four different colors in that line. We also created an executive line. There's um, one color there. It's covered in leather, which I love. Me too. Like we talked about, it has those patterned in sheets on the inside. And I don't know, I just feel like productivity doesn't have to be just utilitarian. It can be beautiful and it can be wow and it can be fashion forward. And so that's why we did it. And it's been a huge success. It's bizarre sometimes that I say aesthetics matter so much to me mm-hmm. beyond just being productive and efficient, right. but it did make a difference. So just so you know, that was such an incredible project, I think, that you did with The Bold Line. And we absolutely love it over here. And it just makes it more fun, which why not have a little bit more fun while we're kicking butt and taking names? So absolutely, I'm all about it. Okay. So I love how all of that has unfolded for you and you were able to be creative and passionate about organization and goal setting. And it really has become a tangible thing now with the Full Focus Planner. Now, recently I stumbled across this amazing article you wrote and you talked about the idea of holding your goals tightly, Mm -hmm. but your strategy loosely. I can't even say it without feeling a little anxiety. Okay. So I just need to (laughs) warn you right now, we've got to talk about this because you know, I'm a type A person and I love this idea of holding your goals tightly, but I want to hold my strategy tightly as well. But this year I had the 2019, as we go into 2020, I I think that was what caused some anxiety and some stress for me and overwhelm. So I'm all ears, but can you break this down for me? Well, first of all, what do you mean by holding the strategy loosely? Okay. Well, I think this is a really important topic. And, you know, we have been teaching goal achievement for years and gone through our best year ever process, which is our um, goal setting and goal achievement process with thousands of clients. And what we have seen come up for people often, you know, there are particular places where people get hung up. One is they're not keeping their goals visible or they can't connect those annual goals to daily actions like I was talking about. Another thing that happens for people is that they set their goals and they're really excited about them. And then they start to come up with a strategy. And then they get stuck on the strategy when life happens, you know, whether it's like in my case, um, unexpectedly having another child, you know, that wasn't part of my plan when I set my goals at the beginning of last year, (laughs) or the conditions in your business change. Maybe you launch a product that doesn't go so well, or maybe you launch a product that goes really well. um, And all of a sudden, you need to kind of shift gears to achieve your goals. And the problem is, is we start out with this strategy, kind of like our action plan. Maybe it's a marketing strategy or a social media strategy, a product strategy. And then 
things go differently once you get out there in the real world, you know? And if you hang on to that strategy, like come hell or high water, I'm going to do it just like I put in my strategy document. And, you know, we're going to do this number of emails and we're going to do this social strategy and we're going to do these kind of webinars with this exact messaging. You know, the problem is, how do you adjust when things don't go well? What if the offer doesn't quite resonate like you thought? You know, maybe the price is too high or maybe something about the messaging in the webinar. We've had this happen where it just doesn't quite convert like we thought and we need to make some changes. It's just so important to give yourself the freedom to do whatever is necessary to get back on course to reaching your goal. And if you're willing to do that, it's almost always possible. There's there's almost always enough time left on the clock to make meaningful changes that can affect the outcome in a positive way. But if you if you just stay stuck, like you're going to do it exactly like you said, and you can't make any changes, then sometimes you don't get the results you want. So that's kind of where this idea has come from. Okay. so. I'm getting it a little bit more for sure. And I I do like this idea of having a flexible plan and kind of ebbing and flowing with the strategy right. behind the goal. So here's the thing though. I feel like a lot of times we, or sometimes I guess, let our goals be flexible and maybe mm-hmm. even a little wishy-washy. So yeah. can you talk about your process for getting absolute clarity around your goal? Because I'm thinking that's where we start. You have to first have a rock solid goal before you, you even begin to ebb and flow a little. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Talk to me about that. Um, so that is absolutely true. Sometimes what people actually have when they say that they have goals is they have aspirations. You know, they have something like, I want to be more profitable, or I want to create more products, or I want to build my team. Well, those are aspirations. And those are a great place to start when you're setting goals, because it helps you understand directionally what you want. But that's not really actionable, right? I mean, how can you How can you act on, I want more products in my business or I want to be more profitable? I mean, it's not specific enough. And so what we want people to do is get very, very specific about their goal. We want them to identify exactly what they want to accomplish. For example, if you said your aspiration was, I want to create more products in my business. Well, a goal that we would encourage you to set would be something like, I want to launch a course that has five modules by March 31st and generate you know, $150,000 in revenue. That would be something that you could actually act on because you know exactly what you're aiming for, you know when it's due, and you can go get busy creating your strategy. Now, again, you're going to have to be a little flexible on that strategy as you go. You might realize you need four modules instead of five or six instead of five, um, things like that. But you need it to be specific enough that you can act on it and that that component of it being time keyed, you know, where you have identified a deadline for it is so, so helpful. And that's where it's differentiated from an aspiration and it becomes a goal. Okay. So I can get on board with that. I love this idea of aspiration versus goal and getting really clear and looking at your goals, whether no matter when you listen to this episode, look at the goals you've set for the year and just see if you could see some aspiration in there versus concrete goals. This is what I'm doing. This is when I'm going to do it by kind of thing. So, all right, I'm on board with you there. And then from there, this idea of not being fully attached to every step of your journey. Now, that is so difficult for me. This is so eye-opening for me, Megan, that I'm glad we're having this conversation because I feel like I need to know every step of the journey on how to get there. (laughs) I hear you. You are not alone. Okay. so, so common. Okay, so what do you do? How do you 
be more flexible? And how do you like really trust the process without knowing I'm going to get it? I'm going to get there this way. Well, first of all, you do want to have something of a plan. And I think it, it depends whether you're talking about personal goals or business goals. If you have a personal goal, like you want to something around exercise or something around financial savings or other achievement, you probably really just need to identify your next action. What's the next thing that you need to do? And very often, you know, a next action is a, is a discrete thing, like sending an email or making a phone call or scheduling an appointment with someone. It's not some huge thing, like you have to create the strategy for the entire goal. We say all the time that we want your goal to be in your discomfort zone. Like if it's not if it doesn't feel a little bit risky, then you're, you probably set it too low. But we want your next action um, or the next piece of your strategy to be totally within your comfort zone. Mm. So if it's not, if you feel like, oh, I'm not sure I can do that, you've probably made that next action either too big or you need to insert a little step before that, maybe some research or talking to someone. Um, but I think that's really you know, an important part. Now, when you're talking about business goals, for example, if you were going to launch a course or you were going to try to improve your profitability or you wanted to build your team, you probably need a little more strategy around that. I think everybody's going to have a different process for that. But in, in our business, we actually create something that we call a strategy document, which is just kind of an outline of, of a promotion that we're going to be doing so that everybody can get aligned around that and we can use the get the team going in that direction. Um, so we do outline that, but I would say that probably on any given promotion we do, that only holds about 70 to 80 percent. The other, you know, 20 to 30 percent of that are going to be changes that we're going to make on the fly that we feel like as we're getting information from the market, you know, as our customers are responding, they're giving us comments, they're buying, they're not buying whatever's happening, they're showing up, they're not showing up, we're making little adjustments along the way. And we've made, in fact, big adjustments in our business, including like totally killing a product. Um, I remember one time we launched a product and we had one person buy it. Oh gosh. <laughs> we were like, is something wrong? <laughs> the, the cart is broken. <laughs> the cart must be broken because I'm sure that everyone wants this. And we had to totally shift gears. We were like, okay, the market has spoken. Something is wrong here, you know, with our messaging or, or whatever, um, or the offer. And we we shifted gears and we went in another direction and we're ultimately successful. But if we had just been like, no, we are selling this product no matter what, I mean, it would have tanked our year. So that's yes. kind of what I'm talking about. Okay. So that leads me to something that happens a lot with my students. A lot of those listening right now are just getting started and right. they're launching their first course or launching the first product or whatever it might be. And some of them won't launch to success mm -hmm. or along the way, things just kind of start to fall apart and they sure. don't get to the finish line. And what happens with some of them is they think, you know, this isn't working. I need to switch gears and start a brand new project. Mm -hmm. And where... How, what advice could you give to somebody of when they could do a gut check of, no, I'm staying the course, that launch didn't go as planned, but I'm going to launch again, and I'm going to stick with this versus I'm going to jump ship and do something different. If you've got this goal that you made for the year, like I'm going to launch a course and make $100,000, and the first time out, it is a mess and it's messy, how do you encourage people to stay the course? Well, first of all, I love that question because I don't care if you're launching your first course or your 20th course, yeah. you know, if you have a, a brand new business or you've been in business for years, 
this is really the question. I mean, this is going to happen to you no matter who you are or how experienced you are. So if you're just starting out and that's been your experience or you're afraid it, it might be your experience, I want you to just know that you're totally normal and it's not a reflection on you and your abilities. That is a normal part of business. And you're going to learn so much in that process. It's going to help you answer this question more easily as you go down the road. So the first time you encounter this, it's going to be really hard. You're going to doubt yourself. You're going to wonder what's going on. You're going to be tempted to throw in the towel. And again, all those things are normal. But I would encourage you not to throw in the towel on the goal itself. So if you set a goal to launch a course this coming year, or maybe that was in 2019, and maybe it didn't quite go the way you wanted, I think it's so helpful to say in your own mind, okay, that's normal. I'm just learning. You know, instead of I'm failing, I'm just learning. You are learning all the variables that are a part of launching courses. And nobody knows better than you, Amy. There are many, Ugh. many variables. There Amen. are so many things to tweak. And so what I would encourage you to do is don't give up. Don't throw that product away because what it might need is some refining, either on the marketing side or the product side or both. And give it time to tweak your strategy so that you're not completely just bouncing from one thing to the next without giving yourself the opportunity to refine and give yourself space for that. Okay. I absolutely love that you said you can change your strategy. You can go back to the drawing board. You could tweak things, but never lose sight of that goal that you set right. for that year. Right. That's big. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Okay. So you know, I'm all about simplicity, especially when it comes to my business. If I see a simple way to share my business and connect with my ideal customer, I'm all about it, which is why I love marketing on LinkedIn. So using LinkedIn ads ensures that I can connect with the right people at the right time because there are 62 million decision makers on LinkedIn. And that's a lot. And here's the best part. LinkedIn ads are worth it no matter the size of your business, especially if you're just starting and you're looking to drive traffic and engagement to the right people. And at the end of the day, LinkedIn ads are helping smaller businesses get bigger results. Right now, LinkedIn is offering my listeners a free $100 LinkedIn ad credit to launch your very first ad campaign. So to grab your $100 credit, visit linkedin.com forward slash Amy. That's linkedin.com forward slash Amy. Terms and conditions do apply. All right, let's get back to the episode. And so I know you kind of touched on this already, but I really want to hit home with it. When you say, you know, hold your strategy more loosely and, and hold that goal tight, this is a perfect example of that. How do you know that you're not being too loose? Now, this is yeah. the type A in me. Like right. I get a little bit nervous that some of my students will almost leave it up for chance. Like I even, you're going to maybe cringe at this, Megan, but when I set a big goal, sometimes we leave a little room for what we call magic. And so if I can't right. figure out how I'm going to get to 1 million, but I can figure out how we're going to get to 900,000, I'll be like, <laughs> we're going to leave a little room for magic. And mm -hmm. that has served me well. But the 900,000, I know that strategy and I know how we're going to get there. That's right. 
So how do we make sure anyone listening that they can kind of do a gut check that they're not getting a little too loosey-goosey with that strategy and leaving it up for chance? Right. I'm not saying you don't need a strategy and I'm not saying to throw everything out the window as you hit the first obstacle. That would be chaos. Yes. (laughs) So I think this is more art than science. There's not some kind of um, perfect way of understanding this. You're going to get better as you go and you will make mistakes along the way. So that's okay. But I would say when you're encountering an obstacle, which you will, try to only change one thing at a time. So rather than change your offer, your social strategy, re-engineer the product, don't change everything at the same time. You know, ask good questions. When things don't go well with a goal, ask good questions like, hmm, okay, could it be this part of my strategy? Could it be that part of my strategy? Is it the price? Is it the marketing? Is it the social? Is it the product itself? Is it the market? You know, those kinds of things are good questions to ask to try to dial in maybe what part of your strategy needs to be adjusted. But what I definitely wouldn't do is throw the whole thing out. At one time, you do need a plan. You just need to be willing to change as much of it as necessary to get better results. But just like with anything, the more you can kind of change one thing at a time, probably the better it's going to go. And then you'll understand better what to do in the future. Okay. I'm totally on board with that 100%. And I love the idea of you do need a plan, but you need to be willing to change the strategy in order to get to the results and the goal that you set for yourself. Okay. Cool. I'm, I'm there for sure. Okay. So I want to switch gears just a little bit and talk about some of the principles inside of the full focus planner, because as I already mentioned, I'm obsessed with it and I use it every single day. In fact, you know, that question, like, well, what are the three things you take to a deserted Island? I, I think I take it. I wouldn't need it, but that's how much I like have it with me at all times. I'm literally looking at it right now. Me so too. yeah. Okay. Good. So we're on the same page there. Yeah. It's a, it's a healthy obsession. So with this planner, one of the things I absolutely find incredibly valuable are the big three. And the big three, these three things that I'm going to accomplish no matter what every single day. Now, this has been, and it sounds dramatic, but it's true, like life-changing for myself and my team. And I think I told Megan this, I think I told you this a while back, but there was a conversation inside a Slack with my team that I wasn't even a part of. It was in a channel where they were talking to each other and we've got a lot of new employees. And so they were talking about how much they love the full focus planner because everyone on my team, when they start out, they get the full focus planner and they're asked to do it for 90 days. And if after 90 days, if it's not right for them, they don't have to do it. But I want them to watch the videos, learn how to do it, and they love it. And the majority have stuck with it. So that's really exciting. But what they said they love the most is this big three. And they said that the reason why it helps them so much is they don't have the dreaded to-do list that looks like Mm -hmm. it's a mile long, and they've just started their day knowing they will never get to all of that. So with that, can you talk about this idea of the daily big three and why you find it so valuable and why you guys have included that in the planner? Yeah, I love that too. And in fact, of all the things that our customers report on, this is the thing that comes up the most often as being the single most transformational practice that's a part of the full focus system. 
The reason we included it is because the average person reportedly has 15 tasks on their list on any given day. And even if they hustle all day long and they accomplish seven or eight or nine or 10 of those things, they go to bed feeling like they failed because they haven't gotten them all done. That's not to even account for all the ones they probably added in their various meetings or um, as they were working through projects. And that's not a good way to live. You know, it's also not discriminating enough because of those 15 tasks, how could you possibly um, identify which are the most important? And what we really want to do when we're thinking about what we spend our time on every day and how we prioritize is we want to make sure that we at least get the most important things done. And those are often also going to be urgent. You know, they're urgent and important. The problem is, is if you have 15 things on your list or maybe 20 or 25, only a handful of those, very, very few of those are going to truly be important and urgent. And what I mean by that, how you know if they're important is, are they the things that drive results in your business or the role that you've been hired for? Are they driving forward your annual goals or your most important projects? Most people never think about that. They just think about what's most urgent. And so the big three is saying, okay, if I only can get three things done today, what are the three most important actions, tasks that I can accomplish today that would drive my goals and my most important projects forward? And if you only do that, what will happen in your business or in your role in your company is that you will see that you're achieving more than you've ever achieved in your life. Because before that, you didn't really have a filter for prioritizing those things, right? You know, you're exactly. just kind of trying to do whatever's the most present at that moment. And so in the full focus planner, we provide an area for what we call other tasks, those other kind of things that are great if you get them done, but not necessarily mission critical. You could do them or not do them. I always have things on that list, you know, a phone call I need to make or an email I need to send, but it's not, it's not driving the results that I'm the most responsible for. And so I think when you narrow it down, you uh, eliminate the overwhelm and you actually make progress on the most important goals that you have. So that's why we created the big three. It's not an original idea to us, but that's why we put it in the planner. Um, and people just absolutely love it. Okay, the whole concept of driving results that are most critical for your position is really important because when I think about my top three, they're going to always include either forward-facing, like front stage, so I'm right. doing a Facebook Live, I'm doing a live training, or creating content. So those are the areas that I make the biggest impact in the business. Mm -hmm. But if I think about, let's say, Chloe, and she's my marketing director, and I think about what's on her list, it's going to be dramatically different. Absolutely. Right? And so I think sometimes, even I bet some of my team members would say this happens, where we get in a rush and we think, oh, the top three things I need to do are bum, bum, bum. And then if you look, if you ask yourself, are these three things crucial to my role and how mm -hmm. I drive the business forward. Some days I might need to tweak those big three. Absolutely. And here's one of the things that we teach that helps you know whether you're on track or not. The daily big three are related to what we call the weekly big three. And that's a process that is in the full focus planner that's called the weekly preview where you're planning for your upcoming week. And your weekly big three are the big three objectives that you need to achieve this week for it to be a successful week. So same kind of concept, just instead of discrete tasks, now they're objectives and they might be projects, um, things that you need to accomplish that are driving your goals 
goals forward. And what informs the weekly big three are your quarterly big three goals. So you have this list of annual goals. We say that you can set up to 12. So you can have up to three per quarter that you're working on. When you identify like these are my Q4, three goals that I'm pursuing for Q4, then when I'm doing my weekly preview on a weekly basis, I normally do mine on Sunday night. I'm asking myself, okay, what needs to happen this week that's going to move me toward accomplishing those three goals that I'm focused on this quarter? And then when I get to my day, I'm asking what three things do I need to do that are going to help me accomplish those weekly big three objectives that are driving the goals? So there's a connection all the way from your annual goals to the ones you're focusing on in the quarter with your quarterly big three to your weekly big three objectives objectives to your daily big three tasks so that there's like an unbroken chain where you're not like kind of disconnecting anywhere. Exactly. And one of the things about the weekly preview that I love and and with the weekly preview, do you agree you're looking back, but then you're looking forward, right? Absolutely. So when I look back, there have been many times that I thought, Ooh, I, I did not focus on the things right. that were going to get the, the weekly goals. The actions I took all week did not get me there. Mm-hmm. And it's just like this practice of, no, I'm going to get better at that. I'm going to get more intentional. I'm going to get more focused. But I, I really do find that the weekly preview, looking back and looking forward, it, it doesn't even take that long, but it's a discipline. Nope. Like, no, I got to sit down. I got to think this out. I'm sometimes terrible with making the time to do things like that. But I've noticed the more I make the time, I'm so thankful during the week and after it's all over. Me too. I I love it because I feel like it's the antidote to feeling that sense of dread on Sunday night, like where you kind of can't go to sleep because you're thinking about, oh, I got to make progress on that, or I didn't do that so well last week, or, oh, I got to remember to send this message to this person on my team. If you just take, I mean, really for me, it probably takes me 20 minutes to do it. If I just sit down for 20 minutes in the evening or the afternoon on Sunday, and I think through what happened in the last week, and, and there's a whole template for this, so it's really like paint by numbers in the full focus planner. I am ready for Monday. Like I already know what's happening on Monday. I don't have that kind of deer in the headlines feeling. It feels um, so good. Right? It's so much better than the overwhelm. And like you said, I have the chance to know if I kind of got a little off track last week and maybe didn't make the progress on my goals that I wanted to, I can um, make in a little adjustment before I'm way off track and months have gone by where I haven't made progress and then I'm tempted to throw in the towel. So I think that's so valuable. Yes, I, I totally agree. Okay. So when you go through your week and you've accomplished these things and you're sticking to your big three, one of the things that I think we need to do more of, especially in my business and personally, but I know my listeners can relate to this is celebrate and really take the time to celebrate when we accomplish something. And it's so easy to breeze right past that Mm -hmm. and into the next week. So do you have any tips for how to slow down, actually celebrate things? I don't know how you guys do it over at Hyatt and Company, but any tips here would be greatly appreciated. Well, like you, I mean, we're high achievers. And so often (laughs) you have this great list of goals and you're so pumped and you're just checking them off, you know, or you're kind of in a season where things are going really well or it's intense and you don't even stop to notice. Maybe you barely check it off and you're on to the next thing. Yes. The, The problem with that, there's two problems. One, you're not doing what's necessary to reinforce 
that goal accomplishment because you want to take a minute to celebrate so you can say, hey, brain, that was awesome. Let's do that again. That that was rewarding. You know, you want to reinforce the success. Also, though, as your business grows and you begin to build a team, if you don't stop and celebrate with your team, you start to build a culture that leads to burnout because your people don't feel like it ever really means anything when they accomplish something. And so even if it's hard for you to do this for yourself, as you begin to grow in your business and you start to build a team, taking time to celebrate for their sake is critical for engagement and long-term employee satisfaction. So let that be your motivator, if nothing else. Um, I think it's challenging to figure out how to celebrate, but if nothing else, in the weekly preview, this is sort of a little personal way to do it. In the weekly preview, the first part of it is identifying your top five wins from the previous week. And Amy, I don't know about you, but very often I get to that list and I'm like, <laughs> What happened? Exactly. I, I don't remember anything. And I have to literally go back in my planner yes. each day and say, oh my gosh, I got to do that podcast interview with Amy. And that was so fun. I'm putting that down. You know, or I had yep. this meeting with my executive team and we're ahead for the month of November. That was awesome. You know, and just like itemize those things. And that's a little celebration. It's it kind of starts with noticing, I think. I think that's the beginning of celebration is noticing. Then the other part of that is gratitude. So maybe if you're just doing it for yourself, it's in a gratitude journal, or maybe it's writing a note to somebody on your team or a vendor that you're using, a contractor to help you achieve things, and just noticing, hey, I really appreciated the way you stepped up and you managed my webinar. That was incredible. And I could not have achieved those results that I set uh, a goal for without your help, you know, or thank you so much for the way you managed my calendar this week. Cause without your help, it would have been just a nightmare because it was a really busy week. So noticing and expressing gratitude. And then the fun part really becomes when you celebrate as a group, maybe you don't have a team yet, but maybe you have somebody, a contractor that you're using regularly. Uh, maybe you just get on Skype or zoom and you have like a little party, you know, everybody drinks champagne or something yes. on Skype. Or maybe you take everybody out to dinner and you have something special to say about everybody's contribution. I mean, I think as a leader, it's always about celebrating the contribution of your team more than celebrating, you know, yourself or a gift that you could give people. Um, but just taking a minute to notice on whether it's a small scale or a large scale is critical for you and your team and your ongoing success making that sustainable. Oh, I love these simple ways to do it. And if you just start out with some of the simple ways to do it, you'll want to lead to bigger things. Yeah, and totally. yeah, we got to we got to start there. So important. Okay, so I have a quick little bonus round because okay. I, I can't stop thinking about your 35-hour work week. And I know that doesn't always happen, but on the majority, and that's mm -hmm. impressive. And so I can't stop thinking about it. And I'm sure my listeners are like, uh, before you end, can we revisit that? <laughs> <laughs> so with that, can you think of, and I know I'm putting you on the spot. I'm a planner. So I'll, just so you guys know, I always try to send those who are going to be on my show, just a, kind of a, a review of some of the questions I want to ask. But this one wasn't on there. So if you need a little time, take okay. it, please. But I would love to know if you could share two to three tips, techniques, strategies, mindset, shifts, anything that have gotten you to 35 hours a week with five kids? Like yeah. what, what's working for you that others that are maybe just starting out or maybe a little bit more advanced in their business can, can start to think of, oh, maybe that could work for me as well. Can you think of any of those tips? 
Yeah, I think the first thing is I get asked this question a lot oh, because I think a lot of women in particular, it's not always women, but mostly I think, you know, this is attractive to them. Like, how could I do yes. that? So I think the first thing is you have to define what the win looks like for you. Before you get to the how am I going to make it happen, you have to know what you want. And I think for me, when I think about what my priorities in my life are, and I think about that idea of I want to win at work and I want to succeed at life, or I'm not going to consider it success. Um, for me, that looks like being present for my kids. You know, there are only so many years that they're going to be home, that they're going to be the ages that they are now. Um, there is a contribution for me to make in their life as their mom that is totally singular. You know, my husband can't do it babysitters can't do it. Teachers can't do it. Like there's just something I can pour into them. That's just me. Yeah. And I don't want to get to the end and having have built a huge business that's very successful and feel like I have regret around my family. That's just unacceptable to me. And also a couple of my adopted kids have some special needs. And originally that was kind of my impetus for this was like, they need me, you know, there, yeah. there are some serious things that we need to work on with them to help them heal from some of their early traumas that if I'm just like checked out, and not home very much or I'm working all the time, they're not going to get where they need to go. So that was sobering um, and kind of the catalyst for this conversation in my own head. But if you can define what you want, then all of a sudden your brain goes into creative mode and you start thinking about how you could make it possible. So once you've defined the win, then suspend your own disbelief that it would be impossible to make that happen. I think if you're an entrepreneur, the great thing is, is you have a lot of freedom. On the one hand, you're probably the hardest boss you've ever had. <laughs> right. On the other hand, if you're honest with yourself, you can also set boundaries that most people can't. And because of that, you can get really creative. So I decided that 3.30 in the afternoon hard stop is my hard stop. And I probably hit that 90 to 95% of the wow, time. Wow, that's impressive. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, my, my assistant, Jamie, knows we're just not messing around with that. You know, it has to be really exceptional to uh, cross that line. And what that means is, is that now all of a sudden I have constraints in, in place. And the thing about constraints is that they drive innovation. And when you have hard constraints in place, you can get really creative about, okay, if I only have this many hours a day, what is the most important work that I can do in that time? Because I don't have time to mess around. I don't have time to do stuff that's not driving the business. I don't have time to get distracted. I have to be super focused on where I add the most value. So the the onus was kind of on me to figure out, okay, what are those few things that only I can do that are going to build the business in a, an exponential way or a disproportionate way? You know, I want, I want to invest my time where I get a disproportionate return on that investment. And I'm clear about those things. And then I got really good at delegating. I got really good at asking for help, not just at work, by the way, but at home. And of course, with everything in our lives as we're building a team at home or at work, this starts out really small. And then over time, you're able to afford more, more and more help and resources to delegate. Um, but I, I really focus on where do I add the most value at work and where do I add the most value at home and how can I delegate most of the rest of that? And that has been honestly my secret sauce, you know, um, being clear about what I can do and what other people can do. Oh, this is so good. Megan, you are so freaking good. I absolutely love this conversation. So I just fun. Uh, so fun. And I just learned so much. Like I'm actually going to spend some time 
to figure out where I add the most value. I've done that exercise before, but Mm -hmm. I think with some of the stuff you shared here, incorporating that, I would love to show up as my best self every day in this business, but I need to get clear on where I show up the best So, and where I add the most value. So thank you for this transformational conversation. It was excellent. Thank you, Amy. It's always fun to talk to you. Always so fun. (laughs) And congrats on the most beautiful full focus planner line ever, the bold line. Guys, we will definitely be linking to all things full focus planner in the show notes at amyporterfield.com forward slash 298. Thanks again, Megan. And I hope you'll come back because we have so much more to talk about. Of course. All right. See you, girl. See ya. So there you have it. For all my type A personalities, I challenge you to loosen up your grip on the how of accomplishing your goals and learn to enjoy the experience and embrace the ebb and flow of the journey. Now, trust me, I know that is easier said than done, coming from one control freak to maybe another. So I get it, but I am going to embrace this. And as you could see, I absolutely love Megan. I hope you found so much value in this episode. She brought so many nuggets of wisdom and I really can't wait to have her back. There's so much I think I could talk to her about. She's a great example of leadership and productivity and efficiency. So I think we need to have that girl back. Okay. So here's the deal. I want to know what you thought about this episode. Does it make you feel uncomfortable, a little scratchy, or maybe you fully embrace it, or maybe you are so against it, you need to speak up. Like this concept of holding the goal tight and loosening up the strategy or the process of how you're going to get there. I want to hear what you think of this. So I want you to go to the Online Marketing Made Easy Facebook community jump in there, start a conversation or join one that has already started. What do you think of this concept? I want to hear all your thoughts. Also, you know how it goes. Have you subscribed to the podcast? I don't want you to miss an episode. You'll get a notification every time something goes live here on Online Marketing Made Easy, but you've got to hit that subscribe button. So do that now. It takes just seconds on whatever platform you listen to the podcast. All right, guys, next week is extra fun. I mean, maybe not fun. It's extra, extra important though. And we are going to be talking about a topic that everyone, and I mean everyone, has experienced at one time or another imposter syndrome. It's a real thing. And I know that you two have probably experienced it, or more importantly, you might be experiencing it right now. We're going to talk about all the different ways it shows up. I think you can relate. And more importantly, we're going to talk about the simple yet really effective strategies that I'm going to share with you to help you bust through that imposter syndrome. We're going to talk about it all next week. Thursday, same time, same place. I will see you here. All right, guys, have a great day. Bye for now.